on this edition of the Ministry of Motion Pictures podcast. When the idea to do a short film for my church's Christmas Eve service came, I had nothing to lose. I was like, well, might as well. And when that led to the idea of The Chosen as a fully-fledged multi-season show about the life of Christ, taking the stories to the Gospels and expanding on them, and, and the idea came to raise the money through crowdfunding, which I thought was a ridiculous idea and would never work. And the all-time crowdfunding record was 5.7 million, which was done by people with big fan bases. And we were starting from scratch and I was coming off of a career failure. You know, that's what led to that short film um, going viral. And, and we ended up shattering the all-time crowdfunding record and raising over $10 million. My guest in this episode is Dallas Jenkins, the director behind The Chosen, an episodic series on the life of Christ as told through the eyes of others, namely The Chosen. The series recently wrapped eight episodes for the first season, and Dallas and his team are beginning work on season two. The Chosen is self-distributed outside of the conventional distribution channels. It's free to watch on the Chosen app with a pay-it-forward plan to finance it. Not only is it a unique series, it's forging a unique distribution model that will perhaps become more normal in the years to come. This is episode 26. Why don't you tell me briefly how you got started in filmmaking? Well, I grew up in a very strong, you know, conservative Christian household. So uh, filmmaking was never something that was really on the radar. Uh, typically, when in the environment that I grew up in, um, the relationship between Hollywood and the church was quite tense. Uh, in fact, yeah. the only time you typically hear, hear about the church in relationship to Hollywood was through the form of a boycott of some kind. Yeah. Um, but my dad actually was a big movie buff. Um, when I was growing up, he, uh, you know, I was, I watched family films, but uh, I remember when I got into high school, he started showing me great films, uh, classic films like the Godfather and whatnot. And I remember when I saw one full of the cuckoo's nest, uh, which is a 1970s film starring yeah. Jack Nicholson, yeah. that really changed me. Um, and my dad was is an author. He's been an author, you know, for 40 years and wrote the Left Behind books, which were hugely popular and successful back in the 90s and early 2000s. Um, so I had this storytelling gene, but it was after I saw One Fool of the Cuckoo's Nest that I thought, I really want to do that, whatever that is. Uh, I want to arouse in people the kind of emotion that that film aroused in me. And so that led to, out of college, I got a job at the production company that was producing my dad's Left Behind books as movies. And so uh, I went to work there kind of as a low-level secretary for a couple of years um, in Louisville, Kentucky. And that was where I really started to just try to learn the business as much as possible. And, and around the time that the movies were going to actually be made, even though I'd been working there for about three years, they were about to make the movies, and I, my dad and I were actually concerned that the movies wouldn't be very good. Um, and so we, I left, and we formed our own production company. And so that was back in oh, 1999, 2000 or so. So you know, coming up on 20 years here. And uh, that's when I was 25 years old at the time, and we just went ahead and made our first feature film, which was a high school football film called Hometown Legend. And uh, that was done, that, was, that came out in 2000. So yeah, it's been about 20 years. Uh, that I that I've been uh, making films. So I've never heard anybody consider One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest to be that pivotal film that put them into the filmmaking world. It was a fantastic film. It's a brilliant film. Yeah, but I think when you when you watch that movie, for me, I think I was like a freshman in high school. Um, the th there was a scene where Jack Nicholson 
isn't allowed to watch TV during the break time and the World Series is on. And so he pretends that the World Series is on and starts acting it out to get everyone excited. And I don't know, I just I just was mesmerized and I was so pumped up and so moved. And I thought I want to move people like that in some way. I love it. (laughs) So I remember you telling your story about Gavin Stone. Um, that sort of led you to uh, The Chosen. So why don't, why don't you tell me about uh, how The Chosen came about? Yeah, you, you know, you mentioned Gavin Stone. So the, I did a movie called The Resurrection of Gavin Stone, and it was essentially my dream opportunity, something that I'd been working towards and hoping for for, for years, because the movie was, uh, it was an explicitly faith-based film set in a church, but it was financed and co-produced by some of the biggest producers in Hollywood. There was a production company called Blumhouse Productions, uh, which is responsible mm-hmm. for some of the most famous and successful horror films of the last 10 years. Yeah. And WWE, the wrestling company, uh, has a film uh, division and uh, they financed it. And um, Walden Media got involved in the release and helped finance the release. And my church out of <laughs> Illinois um, is where we shot it and, and where I was working at the time. And so the film had tested so well, it had actually tested better than any of the other movies that these companies had done before, that they were really excited about it and thought, we're going to do um, you know, multiple movies over the next 10 years. And then the movie bombed. Um, opening weekend came, and the movie just did way worse than they even expected. And I went from a director with a bright future to a director with little to no future, at least yeah. un- an uncertain future. Yeah. And in that moment... Um, you know, I was very low and my wife and I were very upset and crying and, uh, and whatnot, but God really spoke directly and clearly. It's a very long story that I won't bore you with, but, uh, it made it very clear to my wife, the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And so we went into the gospels and read that story again and noticed some things that we hadn't noticed before, which is that, um, it's a, it's a famous story that, that the 5,000 people are, hungry and so jesus takes five loaves and two fish and multiplies them and feeds an entire multitude and but what we hadn't really noticed before was how responsible jesus was for the need for that miracle meaning he was it was actually his fault to to use that term uh that the people were so hungry and that they were they had gotten to that place because they'd been listening to him speak for a couple days and when the disciples came and said, these people are really hungry, he basically said, yeah, I know. And if we send them home, they're going to faint. So we need to feed them now. Now, he was responsible for all that. And so when he multiplied the loaves and the fish, and he actually had the disciples do everything they didn't need him for. So that was the other thing that really stood out was he had them do everything like bringing the fish and loaves to him. And then when he multiplied it, they went and distributed the fish and the loaves. And he did the miracle part, but they did everything else. And so we didn't really know what that meant at the time, but we just we just knew that um, there was something in that story that maybe something miraculous was going to happen. And we thought, we were hoping that maybe that meant that the numbers for Gavin Stone were going to magically turn around and that God was going to make some miracle happen with that movie. Mm. And that didn't happen. But I got a, a, a Facebook message from someone I've never met and someone I barely know who messaged me uh, at four o'clock in the morning because I was up working on analyzing everything that went wrong with The Chosen. I'm sorry, with Gavin Stone. 
Um, and I was breaking down who was at fault and blaming myself for most of it. And I had this 15 page paper I was working on and this person <clears throat> messaged me out of the blue and just said, remember your job is not to feed the 5,000. It's only to provide the loaves and the fish. Mm. And I had no idea how he knew that that story was what we'd been thinking and talking about all day. Wow. I, I thought maybe my phone, you know, my computer was recording our conversations or something. And I just, and he just said this out of the blue at four o'clock in the morning. I hadn't talked to this guy in a year, you know, and I said, what are you doing up at this hour? And he said, I'm in Romania. I'm on a different time zone. I'm visiting my brother or whatever. And I said, well, why did you tell me that? And he said, I don't know. It wasn't me. God just told me to tell you that. And mm. that, that changed my life, obviously, because wow. it, it confirmed two things. Number one, the message of the story that my job is not to feed the 5,000, that I'm to do my part and God will do the rest if he so chooses. And second, is that he was very present in this situation and that he was, in fact, as I thought when I read the story, you know, that he was responsible for, for what may have happened. He may have actually intentionally brought me to this place of failure uh, so that when or if there is a miracle that I, that I was ready for it and also that would, that would know that he was responsible for that too. And so I was someone who had previously been very much about doing things on my own and pr providing my own success. And that's what led me that, you know, I, I said, uh, it's a long story, but that's the reason that that led to The Chosen is because when the idea to do a short film for my church's Christmas Eve service came, I had nothing to lose. I was like, well, might as well, um, you know, pour myself into the short film about the birth of Christ from the perspective of the shepherds. And it was all it was intended to be. It was just for my church's Christmas Eve service. And when that led to the idea of The Chosen as a fully-fledged, multi-season show about the life of Christ, taking the stories to the Gospels and expanding on them and providing backstory to these people, like I did with the short film about the birth of Christ. And the idea came to raise the money through crowdfunding, which I thought was a ridiculous idea and would never work. And the all-time crowdfunding record was $5.7 which was done by people with big fan bases. And we were starting from scratch, and I was coming off of a career failure. I just thought, well, you know what? Loaves and fishes, you know, I think it's a silly idea, but my, it's not my job to feed the 5,000. My job is just to provide the loaves and fish and make sure that the loaves and fish I provide are as healthy and good as can be. And, you know, the rest is history. You know, that's what led to that short film um, going viral. And, and we ended up shattering the all-time crowdfunding record and raising over $10 million from 19,000 people around the world. And so that's a very long answer to your question, but the, yeah. the resurrection of Gavin Stone, if that had been successful, uh, I wouldn't be talking to you today, or at least I'd be talking to you about a, a, some movie that I was doing um, with these producers. Um, but it led to this show that has ended up having a significant impact around the world and um, has brought me to where I am today. And, and, and that's all because of this concept that Jesus really does, uh, I think in many ways, bring you to a place of failure, sometimes on purpose. And sometimes mm -hmm. he's responsible for that so yeah. that you're open to the miracle. That's yeah, a hard lesson to learn. Oh, Yes. So who was behind the idea of crowdfunding for, for this? Yeah, so that was VidAngel. So VidAngel is a, a small streaming platform that's uh, based out of the United States that is uh, primarily known for filtering. So let's say you want to watch something on Netflix 
and it's got language in it or sex scenes yeah. or something that you don't want to watch, right. you can watch it through this VidAngel filter. And the cool thing about them is they don't do the filtering. They allow you to do it. So you can pick and choose what you don't want to see. Mm -hmm. um, and they just they just give you the, the means to do it. Right. Um, and so they wanted to get into original uh, programming. And they are a very kind of disruptive uh, group of guys. You know, they're very much about doing new things. And this whole project has been new um, from the way we financed it. You know, it was the number one crowdfunded media project of all time. Uh, the content itself, the multi, it's a multi-season show about the life of Christ, which has never been done before. Um, that's a new thing. Uh, the app that it's now available on, they created a brand yeah. new app called The Chosen, which we can mm -hmm. talk about. But that's where, you know, that's literally unprecedented technology that allows you to watch it uh, and connect directly to your streaming devices without a subscription or anything. And they, they, that was them. They, they've come every, every uh, unique idea other than the show. The show is my idea. The, the way to do it, the way to watch it, the way to finance it was all these guys. And I think that's what has allowed it to get to where it is, is because we're not kind of in the mix with all these other projects um, and other platforms. And we're also, as I like to say, we're not waiting for Hollywood to lower its scepter to allow us into its hallowed halls. Um, right. With these guys, they're just like, we're going to go past the system and do it ourselves. And yeah. that's what's allowed it to work. Yeah, I purchased it over the holidays and um, broadcast it from my phone to uh, the TV. And it worked yeah. like a charm from the app. Yeah. And you use the term <laughs> purchased. I actually think uh, I'm going to correct you there because if you use the app, the app is free. So oh. I hope you didn't. I hope you didn't pay money for the app because it's uh, no, not the, the app, but for the for the uh, season. I bought the season. Oh, did you did you pay it forward? Is that what they? No, no. I I bought the DVDs and I got the. Um, oh, I see. Uh, okay, so you bought the DVDs, which is yeah. which is great. But but uh, people should know that uh, they don't necessarily have to do that to see it free on the app. So buying the DVDs gets you multiple ways to access it, including online. But the app, if you just download the app uh, from the App Store or Google Play, um, it's free, and you can watch uh, all eight episodes for free. So okay. I, I'm glad you watched, you bought the DVDs. We appreciate that. That's how we can finance future seasons and episodes. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, if, if people can watch it for free and we allow that, but we do say at the end of it, we're like, look, if you love this show and you want others to see it for free around the world, and if you want to finance future seasons and episodes, uh, whether you buy the DVD or whether you pay it forward, we've got this new pay it forward option uh, in the app or at the website uh -huh. where you can literally just click pay it forward. And it allows um, you to in, it basically gifts the the show to other people around the world because streaming actually costs money. I'm sure you know that because right, absolutely. But um, but also um, it's how we're financing future episodes and seasons. And so right now, people all over the world are paying it forward just because they love the show so much. But so if financially, you guys are making enough money to continue with this. Uh, we're hoping to. I mean, right now um, we're writing season two. Um, we are on our way towards our goal. I mean, the long-term goal for, is eight seasons, and that's going to cost probably $100 million, if not a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it sounds crazy, but, you know, we did, a million, we did $10 million in season one just based on a, on a short film I did on my friend's farm in Illinois. Right. So uh, $100 million over the course of eight seasons, now that we've especially got season one out of the way, um, is, is very realistic. And, kind of, you know, we are, are, the, the way that we're doing it is this pay it forward plan. And we probably will open it up to investment again, like we did for season one, uh, to allow people to invest and, and crowdfund uh, this upcoming season. But right now we're just really focused on getting it out there to the world. Uh, the app has allowed us to get into over 180 countries in just the last month and a half or so. And it's really spreading every day and growing every day. 
but yeah, this pay it forward option is how we're financing future seasons. And uh, it's going to be a combination of DVD sales, merchandise sales. Um, people are able to buy, uh, you know, t-shirts and, and sweatshirts, which they've been loving and wearing right. all around. Right. Um, that's available as well. So that's, that's kind of how we're, we're, we're getting things going, but we don't have a big studio or TV network writing a, a big check like, mm. like they do for other shows. So we're doing it oh, yeah. all, all grassroots. Well, that's great. That's fantastic. That's really remarkable. And even though, you know, the internet uh, world is opening up all these doors, we don't really see a whole lot of that happening, especially in the, in the Christian film marketplace. Yeah. Well, that's a great point. Um, you know, we found that in the Christian marketplace, especially in media, we're oftentimes following the world's trends yeah. um, and, and especially, uh, you know, music kind of caught up a little bit, but movies have still been behind a little bit. Television is way behind um, streaming platforms that we're trying to catch up the content itself. We're trying to catch up. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about these guys that I've partnered with is they're just very forward thinking. And uh, they're just saying, no, we're, we're not going to play by the other's rules. We're going to create our right. own thing. Right. And uh, that's like the, you know, the verse from Isaiah forty three nineteen, which has been a, a motto for us. Uh, behold, I am doing a new thing. And that's what mm-hmm. we've been trying to do. And there's also a line in episode seven when Jesus talks directly to Simon Peter, and he just says, get used to different. And <laughs> that's something that uh, that we've, you know, our, our fans really caught on to that line from the show. They really love that. And uh, that's been another one of our mottos. And it's something we're communicating to our fans as well. Because some people will say, oh, I'm not used to watching a show that's not on tv you know and we're like well get used to different this is the this is the future and uh, we're trying to get ahead of the curve here a little bit or at least catch up to the curve and so uh that's just been one of our hallmarks and i think it's been so far it's been working and i think it's allowed us to stand out and uh and allow this show to get into people's homes in a way that they haven't been before because we're not using the gatekeepers that we normally have to rely on Right. And that's that's the beauty of it, because we're, we're always fighting the gatekeepers as Christian filmmakers. And the fact that we can focus on our very underserved audience, th- this is this is opening up a door that, that should be open for us. Right. And, and, and that's the thing is we're in some ways we're even just creating a new door. What, what kind of advice would you give other filmmakers who are you know trying to get their own films out? And Yeah, we've been hearing from people who've said, all right, so you know, what's the secret? And how did you crowdfund this? And, and to tell you the, the truth, um, I, I, don't, I, I don't think there's much of a secret other than you have to make something that people really are passionate about when mm-hmm. they see it. And so we had this 20-minute short film about the birth of Christ. And, um, you know, I divine inspiration, whatever you want to call it, it just really worked. Um, and yeah. people saw it and we just kept hearing, and we put it out on Facebook and social media and the response was overwhelming. People were yeah. saying, I, I couldn't stop crying or my heart felt uh, changed. Um, and at the end of it, I just got on there and said, if you liked this, uh, we want to do more and we can't get it funded through traditional means. We don't think we'd like to do it with you. We also want to protect the content control the content ourselves. Right. And so, um, you know, that's, people wanted to do it. And what's interesting is the, the cost of, of entry was actually quite high. Unlike other um, crowdfunding opportunities, which are typically done through Kickstarter or GoFundMe, where you can give five bucks or 25 bucks and you get a t-shirt, the minimum was a hundred dollars. And this oh, was wow. an investment, not a donation. Wow. Um, so this was SEC regulated. Um, we had tons of paperwork that we had to do, legal fees, all that stuff. And to, to invest, um, you had to go to our website um, and click about five or six times. You had to, you had to initial something to show, show that we had warned you that investments are risky. 
or you had to choose how much you wanted to give um, and, and, and invest. And then once you invested, again, like I said, the minimum was $100 uh, just because it was it was costly for us every investment so right. we couldn't we couldn't make it cheap and uh 19,000 people plus uh gave everything from invested everything from $100 to $300,000 um over wow. the course of a few months That's and incredible. yeah it just kind of kept spreading so what's the secret well i i think the secret was the 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 content itself was something people not only loved when they watched but when we explained what else was coming, it was just something they really wanted. And so mm. ultimately content sells itself. And right. I, I think, um, you know, I, I, when you, a lot of times when you're trying to crowdfund, sometimes you just, it's just a video of you talking to the crowd saying, you know, please join our cause. And that can work, I think on a smaller scale, but when you're trying to do something big, you have to show uh, what, uh, you know, people call in the business world proof of concept. Right. And um, the, I think the short film was a proof of concept that really reached people's hearts and minds. And uh, they just, I mean, people just told us over and over, they said, um, we felt like we had to do this. It wasn't like we, we felt like we, we had no choice. And I think that that's um, a testament to God's involvement in this project, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, because uh, I think he, he was laying it on my heart to make it. He was laying it on my heart to tell these stories in the way that he wanted them told and he was laying it on the hearts of the viewers to get involved and mm -hmm. to make it happen and so um you know everything that people have responded to in the season one where they talk about this scene or this moment or this dialogue exchange uh was so overwhelming to me and i just wept as i watched it or i was changed as i watched it or it just introduced me to jesus in a new way and i'm like that's exactly how i responded when i was writing and i felt like god you know, uh, when this idea came to my head, which I believe it was from God to do that moment or to, to, to shoot it that way, um, I responded the same way that you are. And that's just proof that I feel like God is just using the show as a, as a means of communication directly to his people. And I'm just trying to not get in the way. You mentioned that growing up, you, you faced resistance uh, to cinema. Uh, in your church and as but I wonder why the church still seemed to be reluctant to embrace this art form, this communication form, uh, to turn it into some sort of missions work, use it to to reach those who would not otherwise be reached. Yeah, I think there's a few reasons for that, and because I thought a lot about this, um, I think it's especially true of the Protestant community. Um, when you look at other um, faith traditions, whether it's mm -hmm. Catholicism or Mormonism or Judaism, um, faith traditions or denominations, you'll see um, a lot more of the embracing of visual representations right. of the Gospels or of, or of Christian stories. And I think Protestants tend to be a little bit more literal, a little bit more word-based. Um, I think they're a little bit distrustful um, by nature of anything that could be perceived as idolatrous yeah. or too artistic. Um, you know, a lot of times you'll see a great piece of art and a, and a Protestant's going to say, yeah, well, I don't get it. I need it. I need it explained. Or, mm -hmm. or they do get it, but they want it explained clearly. Um, and and we're, we're more, you know, you'll see some of the Protestant heroes are preachers, whereas in Catholicism or other faiths, the heroes are the artists and yeah. um, or the communicators. And mm -hmm. so I think that that's been um, kind of the history of Protestantism, um, which I think is why we're slow to embrace uh, art as, as a medium. And also just it costs money, um, which, you know, I think sometimes it feels like if you're putting money towards a film, that's money that could be going towards 
some a more traditional ministry opportunity. Yeah. So you see, you see a church, and, and a church is like, yeah, we've got 19 different ministries we're all trying to finance, and it's you know we're barely making our budget. Um, right. You know, the church, the church that I went to, um, when, when they hired me, I had already made films in Hollywood for several years, but they hired me. And they had the means. I mean, they're, they're, it was a mega church. Their annual operating budget was over $20 million. And even then, the, the, there were still people in the church who were like, I mean, they, they, they loved the short films that I was doing. And then when we decided to do Gavin Stone, um, they were behind it. But it was especially helpful when Hollywood got involved in finances because writing a check for $2 million, um, whether you've got the means or not, still feels like, yeah. I don't know, it somehow feels crass to people. Right. You know, it doesn't feel like true ministry. Right. Um, but then you look at things like the Jesus film which has been seen by billions of people around the world and has been around since the 70s. Um, I think that's one of the reasons that's an exception is because it's just a literal verse-by-verse reenactment of the Gospels. And so that feels like it's just, it's it's the Bible. It's easy to sell. It's like, look, we're going to take the Bible to countries where people don't even read or don't have the Bible, and we're going to show it to them in this visual representation. But, um, you know, The Chosen, which isn't a verse-by-verse reenactment. I mean, we do, we do show, you know, stories from the Gospels. We don't change them. Um, but we add backstory and historical context and cultural context and some artistic imagination around the stories and around the people. And I think some people can, can easily go, oh, I don't know about that. It's, it's, it may feel uh, like it's not, um, it's not pure enough. And, uh, but, but I think this show is starting to change that because I, I, I mean, I, all I can tell you is that the response to the series has been overwhelming from those who've seen it. And mm-hmm. I think over time it, it could, it could potentially break, break down some barriers and, and we see people every day. I mean, literally this morning, um, um, you know, my, my partner sent me a Facebook message. We hear this literally every day, um, dozens of times every day. Someone said, I don't, uh, I, don't, I can't really explain how I, how I came across this show. Um, might have been on Facebook. I can't pull myself away. Because of The Chosen, I have been Bible studying for hours today after not having done so for years. Wow. Thank, you for bringing, thank you for bringing me back from the darkness. That was wow. a, a woman named Kim. Um, and, and I think to the people who are sometimes nervous about um, extra biblical um, content, whether it's a modern day show or a, 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 even a, a Jesus show based on scripture, I, we just point them to those comments as we're saying, listen, this is drawing people back to the scriptures like never before. Wow. That's incredible. So what kind of challenges are you facing now? Huh. Well, uh, if we had a couple hours, I could, uh, I could give you all of them, but uh, you know, as you know, in the process of this conversation, um, because we've been kind of giving, you know, talking about it in, in quicker terms, it may have sounded like it was easy. Um, actually, every stage of this project has been a challenge, um, and we've never actually gotten anything more than what we needed exactly for that day. And so on one hand, that's been really beautiful because God has shown up every single time that we've been needing something, but it's challenging to be on what we call the manna program. Um, you know, the Israelites every day, God would provide their daily manna, but he gave them nothing more. And he even yeah. said, if you try to store this up for the future, I'm going to make it rot. And that was because he wanted them to be completely dependent on him each and every day. And mm-hmm. that's been the process for us. Every day we have our hands outstretched, basically saying, um, you know, we don't have any more than what, what we had yesterday. And so we need something new to be able to finance, whether it's the writing or whether it's the marketing or whether it's getting this out to the world, um, finding new ways to do things when we don't have a studio or a big financier behind us. So even just for me personally, 
um, financially. You know, the, the, this I, I get a fee as a director uh, when when we go into production, but right now we're not in production, so uh, there's not a whole lot of money to be made by someone who's not producing something at the very moment. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm concentrating on just getting the show out to the world, and so um, you know, it's it's finding the finances, whether it's personally just raising a family of four and of four kids. Um, That's rough. And, and uh, at, you know, when when I'm shooting. Uh, you know, we feel comfortable uh, as having raised money to to pay me a, a fee, a little bit lower than industry standard, just because we want to really be as protective of the the money that that these people gave us possible. But um, but yeah, we we put every every dime that, uh, that comes in on on the screen and and into the writing, and um, you know the writers uh, the, the the co-founders of this project. Uh, we said to our investors, we don't see a dime in profits until you do. You have to get at least twenty percent plus uh, uh you know profits before we see a dime and so mm. you know that's going to take a couple of years you know it takes yeah. multiple seasons and and especially like i said when we're creating something from scratch uh, every decision we make is um is brand new and requires a learning curve and so uh now that we're done with season one it's great and people love it um, but we're still having to get people to watch it on the app still having to get people to embrace this new technology and and new means of doing things and and embracing the idea of paying it forward so um, all of that is a challenge, but the, the easiest part has been when we're writing and uh, when we're pr producing it, um, God just shows up so consistently that it's become almost monotonous how, how consistent uh, he, he answers the call and, and it's clear that this project is in his hands. And so I don't get stressed about the future. It's, uh, it really is just my job to, to make sure that the loaves and fish we provide are as good as they can be. Wow, that's incredible testimony, and so exciting to see that that's happening. I'm I'm glad I've been able to get you on to talk about this, and you know, sort of pull away the veil to see what's going on behind the scenes. It's uh, it's exciting. Absolutely. Um, for those who don't know much about the chosen, can you just give me a quick pitch about the angle that you're 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 pursuing this series? Yeah, so we take the stories of the Gospels. Um, and a lot of the more, most famous ones, but we, we pick the ones that uh, we think would make for a great show and make for a great character arc. Um, because, um, you know, this may sound bad, but Jesus doesn't make for a great character of a movie or TV show. Um, if you know anything about storytelling and drama, your main character uh, should be someone who grows, who learns, who changes. Uh, who is struggling with something at the beginning and then learns something new at the end, uh, who comes from death to life uh, or f faces some sort of lesson he needs to learn or she needs to learn. Well, Jesus uh, is pretty much perfect from, uh, from beginning to end. <laughs> and so, uh, so a lot of Jesus projects um, just go from Bible verse to Bible verse, miracle to miracle, and you don't actually get a chance to get to know or in turn be impacted emotionally by those who are moved and changed by Jesus. Right. So we start with the gospel stories and then we work our way backwards. So we know, for example, John chapter three shows, shows Nicodemus meeting with Jesus in secret and um, telling him that he believes that he's the Messiah, but asking him all these questions. Well, we think, well, that's really interesting. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. So the vast majority of Pharisees were actually against Jesus. So Nicodemus had to meet with him in secret. What would have caused him to go from someone who was perhaps trapped in the religious dogma of his faith to believing that Jesus was the Messiah. And then what was it like to need to meet with him in secret? 
And so that he's a really interesting character. Okay, so he's going to be one of our main characters. We look at Matthew, the tax collector, who we know when Jesus walked past his booth, uh, Matthew literally heard the words, follow me. He, ju he jumped out of his booth and followed Jesus immediately. Well, okay, that's interesting because, you know, what would cause someone to do that so quickly? Mm -hmm. We know he was a tax collector, which means he was hated by society because uh, he was hated by the Jews for being uh, uh, working for the Romans. And he was disrespected by Romans for being Jewish. Well, that's interesting. What must that might have been like? What may have led him to, to that point? So we came up with the concept that Matthew may have been on the Asperger's spectrum because um, I know a lot about that. I've got some um, experience with autism in my family. We thought, well, he's a numbers guy. He's a facts guy. The whole first chapter of his book is all about genealogy. And uh, we all, he also chose a profession that made him socially outcast. That'd be interesting to pursue the concept that maybe he's uh, on the Asperger's spectrum. We pick <laughs> characters characters like that, like Simon Peter, who was obviously very mm. interesting, and, and um, uh, his brother Andrew, and... Mary Magdalene, of course, a fascinating, the first time we're introduced to her in the gospel, we see that she was possessed by demons. Okay, mm -hmm. well, let's work backwards and see what their lives may have been like, knowing what we know from history, knowing what we know from culture, knowing what we know from what we can read about them in the gospels. And we can come up with plausible scenarios that don't violate the intentions of scripture that give us a good backstory that lead us to that moment when they encounter Christ. And that moment when they encounter Christ is that much more impactful when you've seen their world through their eyes. And we believe that if you can see Jesus through the eyes of those who actually met him, you can be impacted in the same way that they were. And so if you've seen season one, you've seen our main characters, but also supporting characters, people who experienced miracles from Jesus. And we introduce you to them in a way that hasn't been done before so that when that encounter with Christ happens, there's a real emotional connection. And I think that's why, unlike other Bible shows that I've seen. I've seen some that were really great and that really moved me, but for the most part, there's a, a bit of an emotional disconnect. Yeah. And so that's what we're trying to do with this show is that mm -hmm. we're trying to put you put you there and really allow you to connect emotionally and also see Jesus in a new way. Um, you know, seeing Jesus, for example, in episode three, where we show him camping out in the wilderness um, and seeing him dress a wound and stretch out sore muscles and say his bedtime prayers, uh, his Jewish bedtime prayers. Um, having him encounter children and 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 what he said and and what he may have done and um just you know trying to start a fire uh you know and, and struggling like like the rest of humans would have um all of those things add up to what we believe is a compelling show that can last seven or eight seasons because we're taking our time to get you deeper into the stories and into the people like any other show and that's what makes a show different from a movie is you can really dig into these people's lives and so that when those impactful moments come they really hit you hard I can see how this could stretch over the many seasons and that you could keep the audience very engaged because they want to see what's going to happen in the next part of Jesus life that they know so well. How will you handle this? What are you going to be showing to them? I think that's right. a, a really brilliant, um, brilliant angle that you've got going. How can people find The Chosen? Right now, the easiest way to watch The Chosen and the free way to watch The Chosen is to just literally look up The Chosen wherever you get your apps, the App Store or Google Play, download it to your phone, and you can connect it directly to your streaming device. It doesn't require a subscription, doesn't cost you anything, and you can be watching within minutes. Fantastic. Dallas, I just have to say thank you for being on the podcast and for sharing your insight and experience and passion and enthusiasm for this. And thank you for making the series. And uh, we're looking forward to see what you have in the future. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It really was a pleasure. And uh, let's do it again for season two. Yes, let's do it.
You'll find more information and links to The Chosen on the Ministry of Motion Pictures website. In our next episode, my guest will be the one and only Alex Ferrari of the Indie Film Hustle. Alex will join me to talk about his life in independent film and his new book, The Film Entrepreneur, which is a book that should be in every independent filmmaker's library. Thank you for joining me on the Ministry of Motion Pictures podcast. You'll find show notes and more information about us at www.ministryofmotionpictures.org. What we do in life echoes in eternity.